Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Pat Greiner. She has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I've heard of that. Um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I've heard of that one. Have you ever seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space? No. No, but I've seen Killer Tomatoes. No, I haven't seen the Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but I've always, you know what? I think it takes a certain gift, really, to name a movie properly, to really you know, get people's attention to get them to to watch terrible horror movies. Yeah, this one is like, stop dressing your six-year-old like a skank. I'm down with that. <laughs> that one wasn't under the horror thing, was it? That was the other one? Humorous, strange, or downright shocking titles. Yeah. I would not call that any of the above, but I mean, most of them are just pretty much, they're just porn titles, but right. so, like the hollow chocolate bunnies of the apocalypse. That piques my interest. Why did I How think that you would... IQ by eating gifted children? <laughs> <laughs> Was that the book one or the? Because I think yeah, we that's the, that's the book one. Yeah, I think we've actually looked at that for because we did a show. Oh gosh, this has been years ago. Remember when we did that, Vonnie? When we when when... found really bizarre book titles and and I did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer going. Nicole did Pride, Pre- Prejudice, and Zombies, and I did something else. I've read that one, too. But she likes Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, that's very her. So maybe it was me that did that one, just so that I could mock Nicole. <laughs> God knows I love a good mock. <laughs> I'm also curious about managing a dental practice the Genghis Khan way. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a horror title that might actually be sort of an interesting... I don't think it's a horror title. I don't know. It got four and a quarter stars. (laughs) Yeah, but you have to admit that some of the names that they come up with for this stuff... Like, I know what you did last summer. I mean, and I know that's a big hit movie and everything, but isn't the second one like, I know what you did last summer again? These people clearly have no brain cells left. Number 54 on this list. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. My all-time favorite play. (laughs) Clearly somebody out there is mocking you, Pat. Apparently. (laughs) Is anybody else on with us for today? No, it's just us. Ah. My bad. I should have gotten somebody else uh, scheduled to go with us. It didn't even occur to me that it was just going to be the three of us, even though I looked at the schedule. But you know what? We are three book girls, so it's okay if there's just three of us sometimes. (laughs) Actually, having just three of us sometimes is refreshing because it's been so long since Mm -hmm. that was our norm. We've been four for so long because we would usually have a guest or an extra person. And it's nice not having people talking over top of each other. When you get all five of us together, it's kind of like watching a really horrible, really horrible episode of The View and trying to edit it is even worse. And I will have to say that my coworker who sits next to me, Laura, mm-hmm. is having a blast with me talking about our Halloween wreaths. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I, so she's excited about hearing about all our horror kinks? Yeah. Yeah. Because I sit and talk about it. Whatever book I'm reading, I'm, I'll tell her about it. And she's, <laughs> she's like, 
she's getting a kick out of it. Well, you know what? Did I tell you guys about the girl that lives in our neighborhood that has the skeletons that she yes, poses? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I saw one this morning. It's not hers, but I almost sent it to you guys because I know the, the minute I put something like that in front of my house, I would get a strongly worded letter from the homeowner, homeowners association <laughs> because it's a it's a skeleton on a pole, you know, pole dancing. I know that the homeowners association would not be happy about that but people get so creative around this time of year I was kind of going through doing my usual self-examination of why I like this season so much more than any other quote holiday and I think it's because it gives us permission to be kids and to be fun and to sort of let all that weird stuff come out and play. Sometimes the most buttoned up, doic individuals are all of a sudden doing the weirdest crap. And you just go, dudes that are just, you know, suit and tie and very proper. And then you'll say, you know, what What do you like about Halloween? Oh, I can dress up like Bigfoot. <laughs> and it's just so refreshing to see that side of somebody's personality well and plus as much as i complain about it because it's so hard to find good horror books it makes me read out of my genre and sometimes i find like terrific books that i really liked and i never would have picked them up if i hadn't been searching for a horror novel and i mean it's not like it's you're forcing me to read the book i go outside my genre so I can find more ideas for our Halloween episodes. And by doing that, it introduces me to more fantasy novels. Oh my God, you read read a fantasy novel? I read a fantasy novel that actually made me think a lot of Jessica. It was a lot, I think it was a lot like one that I think Jessica would like. It wasn't young adult. Well, Jessica wasn't much into the young adult ones. I mean, she did read some sometimes, but she was more of a true fantasy reader. It's too bad she's so goddamn busy all the time because I would love I to know. get her back on. Now, it wasn't high fantasy. I, I haven't gone quite that far over the I was going to say, who the hell yeah. are you? You're not Bonnie. <laughs> You've been body snatched. <laughs> I've been possessed. Possessed by the ghost of a fantasy writer. What it makes me do is I'm reading newer stuff. It's not brand new, but, you know, I tend to read stuff that's been out 10 or 20 years or sometimes 100 or 200. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's that literary PhD in there trying to sneak out. It says, use me, use me. You spent four years on me. (laughs) Do something with me. But I've been going to the list of like the best new horror books and, and pulling some stuff off of there rather than just saying, okay, I'll read another Stephen King because I know I'll like another Stephen King. See, that always makes me feel extra good is when I have to reach out just a little bit. Usually about once or twice a month, I'll go to the library and search new releases. Mm-hmm. And, and and I usually look specifically for debut novels. And I'll go through and I'll put a, I put a hold on as many of them as I can because I've discovered so many good books that way of stuff I would never have touched otherwise. And I love that feeling of like, it's like treasure hunting because you're finding this incredible author that just put their first work out. Search that at your, I don't know if you can do, I wonder if you can do that at our library. If you yeah. can search on that basis. Well, what you do is you just change the filter because there are filters on the search. 
Well, obviously you can't search by debut, but what you can do is search by release date because a lot of times they add stuff that isn't new to the library, but the new release stuff is stuff that usually the, they show it before it even shows up the library, sometimes even a few months before. And you can get on the waiting list really early for things. And I, you know, I go through and I read the description of what it is. And especially if it's a debut, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. I don't give a shit if it's something I might like or not. I'm going to just try it. You have more sophisticated searching in your library than we do. What system is it? But is it Overdrive? Well, Overdrive is what they use for audiobooks. But I'm just looking at the library itself, oh. the website. And uh, it's like if you search by publication date, you can they, they only have five categories. And oh. the most recent category is 2008 to 2022. So yeah. it's not exactly brand new. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. That's the difficulty of looking at, you can use Overdrive for eBooks as well. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you did see something you were interested in reading, then you could read it via ebook. But mm. with audio, that's what I do is I go and I, ah. I look to see what's coming through the pipeline early. The bad part about doing that is, well, it's both good and bad because I do it so regularly and so automatically that I 99% of the time, by the time I get it, I don't remember anything about it. So it just comes uh, up in my box and then I'm like, what the mm -hmm. fuck is this? What did I put in there? And then I listen to it and if it doesn't catch me in the first 10%, then it goes back to the library, <laughs> which might be kind of unfair, but at the same time, if you're trying things that are outside your comfort zone, at least you're trying new things. You might not like them mm. all the time, but. Uh huh. At least you're trying them out, and and Wait. sometimes you can see things that are gonna be coming that way, and then check to see if the library is getting a hard copy and get in line for it. Yeah. Of course, your library is a smaller library, so I don't know. No, this is it's the state of Wyoming system. Oh. All the libraries are in it, huh. which still doesn't mean that. Yeah. It's it's still, be the state of Wyoming fine. system is still smaller than Oklahoma City, I, sadly. Uh, yeah, I asked it for suspense titles in the last added in the last fourteen days, and I got seventeen answers. So that's not bad. Yeah, it just gives you the opportunity to look at some things that you might not have noticed mm -hmm. were coming. What I like the best about the horror novels is that they they tend to be either really good or uh -huh. really bad, <laughs> really really <laughs> bad. Yeah. Oh, there was one that was on one of the lists and I didn't even get three pages in before I'm like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes they're so bad that you have to read them. <laughs> sometimes they're so bad that they're good because the cheese factor is so high. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and then it becomes dark humor, which is a whole other category, which as you know, is one of my favorite categories, the dark mm -hmm. horror slash dark humor category. Are you transitioning to my book? Because I can pick it right up from there. Yeah, sure. Speaking of something that 
probably wasn't meant to be funny, but turned out to be pretty freaking hilarious. That's a perfect description of my book this week. Really? Yes. Do tell. And this is one of the ones that my coworker Laura was loving because one of the monsters in my book is named Laura. <laughs> so now so now you're gonna have to report to Laura what a horrible piece of shit she turned out to be in this book <laughs> well it doesn't talk about Laura that much she's just oh. a bird eating monster but a, a, um a bird eating a bird eating monster so let me tell you what uh, my book is first okay, and okay, I'll go okay. into more detail okay I read the haunted forest tour by Jeff Strand and like I said so cheesy that it was good all i could think of was this if mystery theater 3000 did books this would be on there (laughs) (laughs) mystery science theater 3000 mystery science theater it's been a long time since i watched that i can remember so this starts out right off that there's this little small town in new mexico And all of a sudden, these trees just start growing. And I'm talking like they shoot up in a matter of a minute all over the small town, like destroying buildings. Like Jack and the Beanstalk? Yeah, like ripping through concrete and killing people. People are like, it's shooting up and taking cars with them and people are falling out of their cars and dying. And like, it just annihilates this whole town this this forest that just grows in the matter of like five or ten minutes that sounds like an instant woody <laughs> it was an instant woody let but me I'm tell you sh- it was a preteen boy and the wind was blowing that day apparently <laughs> <laughs> so this happens and then it kind of skips to in the future a little bit because of course Some millionaire has bought this haunted forest and commercialized it, and they do haunted tours because this forest, besides the trees growing in the matter of minutes, is also full of all kinds of monsters and ogres and dragons. Okay. So this is where we start. And the main character i don't know if he's really a main character because they all kind of play their own part in it but it starts with him and he's had a really shitty day at work he got in trouble with his boss and he goes home and all he wants to do is like eat his spaghettios and just go to bed (laughs) spaghettios i don't know if they were spaghettios i'm just paraphrasing and his mom calls him and he says i bought you something And he's like, mom, you shouldn't have bought this for me. You can tell pretty instantly that he is a mama's boy, loves his mama, very close with his mama, kind of reminded me of Tyler. And and she's like, I know how much you love the haunted tours and I won a contest and I have a special Halloween haunted tour that they're giving for select people. So... They have to leave at 4.30 the next morning and to fly to New Mexico to go to this tour. And it's extremely expensive. So like people who are on there are like well-to-do people and people who won contests and stuff like that. So they start off on this tour and um, they're 
see monsters and everything. That's when they see the Laura in the tree eating the bird and like all kinds of other weird stuff. Like, you know, how do they know it's Laura? Uh, because the people who work the tour know the names of the monsters. Whoever discovers a new monster gets to name it. Ah, and the person who is. discovered the Laura named it after his ex-wife. Oh my god! <laughs> so that's how Laura got <laughs> the name. <laughs> so apparently, his ex-wife was a furry bird eater. <laughs> So um, they're going on this tour, seeing all kinds of freaky animals and everything. And all of a sudden, the tram stops. Of course. And the does. power goes out. And they can't get it started again. So the tour guide and the driver of the tram are like, should we break out the weapons yet? Or, you know, is the magnet that holds us on the rail still working or what? And then all of a sudden, as they're trying to figure out what to do, Another tram car comes barreling towards them and crashes into them. And they both go off the tracks and ogres rip open the other car and start just picking people out and eating them. And this is at the very, very Ooh. beginning of the book. Mm, hard shell so, crabs. These are delicious. Crunchy on the outside, like soft on the inside. Soft on the inside. Just got to peel apart the shell. Just picking people up, eating them like they're like gingerbread men. And so they decide that they're going to abandon the, the tram and walk through the forest on foot. Oh, that's always a good idea. Yes. So <laughs> that's what they do. And I, I don't want to go too far into it because, you know, you can imagine all the mayhem that they run into going through the forest. But the cheese factor comes in. And I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of the cheese factor. They're walking down the haunted forest path. So I'm thinking kind of like, you know, Wizard of Oz, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. We're off to see the wizard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this gorilla with, like, snake legs. Tantor.com for more information oh, on sorry. our library of unabridged audiobooks. <laughs> 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 I had the sound turned off on my phone. I don't know how it did that. <laughs> it's haunted, Pat. That's the whole theme of this show. <laughs> well, you know, my light just turned off by itself a few minutes ago. And I was kind of like, what the hell? I'm just sitting here. There's nothing in that corner. So this gorilla just kind of drops down on top of a person and starts beating the hell out of them. And the whole group of people just keep walking. And all I can think of is like, just do, do, do. Whoa, George, you got something on your back. All right, see you later. Monkey on your back. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for people ignoring their family members who are addicted. See, they're walking through the metaphorist. <laughs> And then there's another part that, and I can't remember the name of this dude, but the mama's boy guy. Yeah. He like shoots a, a monster and the monster falls on him and traps him. He can't get out. And his mom walks up and he's, she's like, Hey son. And he's like, can't breathe mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
not at all freaked out that there's a monster dead on top of your son. You're just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, would you mind pushing this off of me? <laughs> Can't breathe. Could you move this monster? We can talk later. <laughs> and so, you you know, the whole book is about them, like, coming in contact with monsters and trying to get out. And at one point, the tram driver is just, like, throwing grenades in front of them to clear paths of monsters away so they can just keep walking down the path. And it, it was just... You know what? It I wasn't badly written. It was just there was so much snark in it and it made it funny instead of scary you know what it reminded me of when you said um I don't know why but when you said it, the trees grew up fast and inside the trees were all these creatures it it reminded me for some reason of you know those wildflower bombs have you ever seen that those have something inside of them they're they're seed ball and you just fling it out into your yard and then all the stuff grows up yes uh-huh oh, it's like a magical seed bomb huh well i've never seen one of those yeah and you do kind of learn why this haunted forest just all of a sudden grew and why the monsters have all of a sudden started trying to eat the tourists that go through because they've been doing this tours for like you know a couple years or so and they've never had a problem with the monsters like ripping the the tram cars apart and eating the people on the inside and you know you kind of learn about all of that and uh has to do with you know rich people and other dimensions and all kinds of weird shit but it was just because it was so snarky and almost ridiculous in parts <laughs> it was just it was funny, but it wasn't badly written. So I don't want to say that the author is a bad author because but, I wouldn't have been able to read it if it was stupid. Right. You know what I mean? And I mean, he did catch your attention right away with these trees that automatically just grow up out of nowhere in the middle of the desert in New Mexico where there shouldn't be a forest. And so he catches your attention really quick and you're like, what the hell's up with all these trees? I, I got to find out now. <laughs> and then you're committed. You have to read the rest of the book. Because you want to so. know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that this would probably translate into a pretty good movie. Like, I could see some famous actors. Yeah, but it would With their snarky comments, kind of like they do on Jurassic Park and stuff. But it, in the would movie. it be as good as zombie strippers from hell, though? I mean, instead of zombie strippers from hells, it would be ogre strippers from hell. Instead of giving them dollar bills, you just give them tourists. <laughs> zombie strippers from hell has already been made into a movie, though. That's true. It has. <laughs> from Dusk Till Dawn. Yes, uh, but From Dusk Till Dawn was really good, though. Now, that's a yeah, good example. Well, actually, technically, they were vampire strippers, weren't yes, they? Yes, they were. Zombies. They, were, they yeah. were vampire strippers from hell. <laughs> Oh, that was a good movie. I I almost got kicked out of the theater for laughing in that movie because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Oh, there are parts of it that are really funny. Oh, I know. I love that movie. Yeah. See, and this would be, if they made this book into a movie, it would be one of those movies that you don't know whether to be scared or to scream or laugh. <laughs> Maybe what the new genre that needs to come out of this whole thing is instead of 
like rom-com or buddy movies, you need to have cheese horror, horror cheese. Horrity. Uh Horrity. Yes. Horrity. (laughs) We need horrity movies. Especially release them in like September or October. Mm -hmm. Perfect. (laughs) Instead of a meet cute movie, you need a laugh scream movie. Who would you say, who would you say would be the leading actors in this movie? Who would you, who would you uh, request that they cast to make this movie an ultimate Horrity movie. Who's the tall dude that played in The Fly that I really like? Jeff Goldblum. Yes, Jeff Goldblum. He would make a freaking awesome tram driver, I think, in this movie. Excellent. I because... love him. I think he. I think he's sexy as hell. Yes, yeah. I know. He's old and sexy. Yeah. He's like, oh, daddy. <laughs> and he can find you a new apartment. Right? What is it? Apartments.com? Yeah. A place to find your space. I yeah. need him to find, a, find me my space, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just need a couple of young pretty actresses to scream and take their top off and some beefcake boys to run around bottomless yeah who's um guardian of the galaxy dude oh yeah chris chris pratt Pratt. chris pratt he could be in that movie because i can see him being snarky and as hell same time like sandra bullock could play in it Mm -hmm. sandra bullock's a good choice sounds like we've got a good movie plan for your author to go and what he needs to do is he needs to write the screenplay this time like next year yes this time next year we need to see that movie and that again is the haunted forest tour by jeff strand and if you read this anybody listening out there you need to comment and tell me what you thought about this because i'm very curious we should have made an october buddy read <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if some people would probably drop or put this, you know, DNF it because they thought it was stupid. I mean, I like cheesy books, so I liked it. Same. I would still give it four stars. Hey, you gotta have a sense. It wasn't scary. It was. It was very Halloweeny with all of the monsters and this Halloween tour that they were doing, and uh, and it was funny. It was snarky. I love snark. I think I might have to read it now. Did you get it at the library? Yeah, I got it at the library. Well, would you look at that? No one else has checked it out yet. (laughs) (laughs) I almost screwed up with the book that the second book that I was reading this week, because I usually read two a week, because I was screwing around and not reading my book like I should have been. I looked down and I only had like seven hours left and I had seven hours of the book left. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) So I, I, I had to uh, pull a Martha trick and turn the speed up so I could finish it. <laughs> you know, and I finished it with one hour left. <laughs> I really like this book, but it sounded like it was read by the chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I listened to an audiobook on Overdrive. I couldn't figure out what the fuck was wrong with the music at the beginning. I was like, the book sounds fine, but the music is all distorted. <laughs> it's because it's of the because you had it, turn it was up. turned up. I figured that out later, but <laughs> first time for everything. Well, guys, if you've always wondered what it's like to be a part of the inside club, here's what you do. If you become a Patreon member, you get to see behind the curtain, so to speak. Get all the little extras that we have to cut out of the podcast. Plus, you get extra episodes that are recorded just for you. 
We want to say welcome to our newest Patreon member, Rachel Cooley. Yay, Rachel! Welcome, Rachel. So if you want to join us. So if you would like to support us and all our shenanigans, then become a Patreon member today. Just go to the website, search for our name, and voila, you're there. And you have our undying love and whatnot. The the whatnot may be more valuable. Yeah, the whatnot (laughs) might be a real extra bonus. You just never know with us. You never know what we're going to say behind the scenes. We have been known to get a little flirty when we're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) When we're not running through the woods. So please become a Patreon member today and you'll help support all this awesomeness. All right. So let's move along to Pat and see what she has brought to the Halloween-y table today. Okay. My choice was a book called Those Who Came Before by J.H. Moncrief. And what I found really interesting about this book is that it's a uh, it's a horror novel that incorporates Native American culture. And I'm also very curious to know if any of our listeners have any expertise in the area of Native American culture, because I really don't. So, if, they, they, so the author could have completely made the whole they could have, thing They could have made the whole thing up and put it right by me. But... <laughs> I would be curious to know if anyone has read the book who is knowledgeable in that area and maybe in comments somewhere could let me know what their opinion of it is, whether they are, uh, whether they find it accurate, believable. The book itself, uh, I tried looking up J.H. Moncrief and her author site doesn't say anything much about her background. So I have no idea if she's uh, an expert in this field or not, but... Be that as it may, I plunged through the book anyway, and I did find it pretty enjoyable. The story starts out, it's narrated by two different voices. One of them, the first narrator that we meet, is a young man named Reese Wallace. And Reese is probably very late teens, early 20s. He, his girlfriend, and another couple are going out to the woods on a camping trip. They're already a little at odds. Reese and his girlfriend have been fighting. You find out that he's pretty sure the relationship is about done with, and he's planning on breaking up with her, but he wants to get through the weekend first so that he's not stuck out in the woods with this (laughs) woman who's really pissed off at him. (laughs) Honey, we're breaking up. Could you pass the uh, marshmallows for the s'mores? Yeah. (laughs) So they they get to the campground, but the campground is closed. It's closed for the season. And they make the decision to go around the barrier, go into the campground, and right away they start having creepy feelings. But they ignore all of these creepy feelings. They pitch the tents. They try to get firewood from this one tree, and this particular tree gives them an especially creepy feeling. They ignore all of these red flags because that's what you do in a horror novel. So they pitch their tents, and the next morning Reese wakes up, and he is the only one of the four left alive. The other three have been killed in particularly bloody ways. His girlfriend is impaled like from butt through her throat on an upright uh, pole. And the others are described as practically being turned into hamburger. Well, being, being the only one left alive, guess who's the prime suspect here? Especially when it comes out that he had apparently talked to someone else about the fact that he was thinking about breaking up with Jessica, the girlfriend. 
And so, boy, there is suspicion right there. The other half of the chapters, those that aren't narrated by Reese, are, um, I wouldn't say narrated by, because Reese's are in first person. The other chapters are not. They're told in third person. But the focus on them is through the point of view of Maria Gray Eyes, who is uh, the police officer detective who is assigned this case. She is, as you might guess from her name, of Native American background, but she was adopted by a white family as an infant or a very, very young toddler and is not really in touch with her Native American background. In the course of the story, she works with, uh, an, what do they call it, tribal police, uh, an oh, officer yeah. mm-hmm. on, a, on reservation who turns out to uh, open her eyes in a lot of ways. For one thing, he's... He, he is not what she expects. He goes, uh, when she first goes to his office, it's just stacked full of books. And he is mostly a self-educated man and tremendously and widely read in everything from philosophy to the sciences to literature. Uh, almost one of those too good to be true kind of characters. If there's any criticism I would have of the book's characters, it was that that police officer whose name I cannot recall and I didn't have time because it was an audio book. I didn't have time to go back through it and look it up, but he's almost too good to be true, but still a pretty interesting character. Well, what they as they look into things and they speak with some other people on the reservation, a parallel storyline begins to emerge. There are, after the murders of these first couple of campers, the other three who were in the woods with Reese, a few more murders occur. It's not the kind of horror book where they are coming thick and fast and one right after the other, but there are two, maybe three more murders that occur at spaced out at intervals. As you're working through that part of the story, you also get a storyline that's set in the past, and it is the history of this area called Strong Lake. The history involves an Indian tribe known now just as the Lost Tribe. They had been established for heaven knows how long before white men came to this area. And then there was conflict. And the white men, being being white men, gave them a gift of a whole pile of blankets infected with smallpox, which is something I have read about in history books, that white settlers were known to do that fairly often. But I've also read that that supposedly doesn't really work, that the smallpox uh, virus or whatever this virus doesn't survive in that kind of in that kind of environment and probably would not have actually wiped out or even severely sickened. So I don't know what the what the factuality is of of this story, but it makes a pretty compelling story. So they gift the tribe with these blankets. There is strife among the tribe because they are already at odds with these white people. And there have been some nasty incidents that have occurred between them. Some members of the tribe don't want to accept the gift. Others do. There's dissension. Well, the ones who accept the gift pretty quickly sicken and die. And there's a medicine man who becomes beyond a medicine man, some almost in touch with the supernatural. And he is the one who works to create 
the force that is at work hundreds of years later in coming to fruit with these campers and other people who have been killed in the area. So you've got the contemporary mystery kind of story, suspense, and you have the historical fiction line almost that's set a couple hundred years before and feeds, gives you the background story for the force that's at work here. So it's a pretty interesting read. The characters are Maria Gray Eyes is a very well-drawn character. Reese is pretty believable as a, a teenager just on the cusp of adulthood and not really wanting to deal with all these things, but doing his best to slog through them. So I found it a, a pretty interesting read. I enjoyed it. There was a one funny thing, and I, this is just has to do with the choice of the narrator. The woman who narrated the audiobook, Laurel Lefkow, she did a very nice job with it. But I was confused at first because, as I said, half the chapters in third person focus on Maria. The other half of the chapters in first person focus on Reese. And the very first chapter is from his point of view. So you're getting, I did this, I picked up my girlfriend, I did, and he isn't ever introduced. It's just not till close to the end of the chapter that you even get a name for him. So I thought it was a lesbian couple. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Not, not, no, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't bothered by it, but it was like, oh, okay, this is a, you know, it's a book that, in, you know, gets into diversity, not only in terms of ethnicity, but gender roles, fine. <laughs> and, but then it was like, wait a minute, is this a guy? And it took me a while to figure out for sure that the narrator in the first person chapters was supposed to be a guy. And it did make me wonder, I, I mean, like I said, the woman who narrated did a very nice job, but I wonder if it might have been more effective if this, if it had been done by in two voices, one for the with an actual young man's voice for Reese's chapters, and a different voice for Laurel's hmm. or for Maria's. So that's a pretty minor complaint. I mean, she once I got used to it and realized what was going on, I was fine with it, but it was a little confusing at first. I've had that happen to me before. And it's really hard for me to get past it, especially if I already have a picture in my head that it's a like a like you said, like a lesbian couple. And then you find out that this other person is a guy. I can't switch it in my head in the whole book. I'm going to think that it's a girl girl couple. And like you said, that's not a bad thing. It's just it's a little confusing. Yeah. But overall, I felt it was well written. It moved along It whether whether it's very factual or not in its representation of this Native American history, I don't know, but it's certainly portrayed. I mean, I know there's no doubt about the fact that the Native Americans were beyond badly treated. Mm. And my research, my attempts at research were pretty quick and, and not very deep. And I couldn't find anything one way or the other that said, this is based on a particular story or a, or a real incident. So I would be curious if there's someone out there with more knowledge in that area who'd be willing to share. But that is called Those Who Came Before by J.H. Moncrief. Okay, my turn? Yep. I am bringing the folk horror from a different perspective. I, I can't remember if it was last year that I read something by this author. I ultimately did not end up reviewing it because it was so disturbing. But the author's name is Adam Neville. And the book I read last year was called The Red 
the redding ugh, very very disturbing the guy is great at his job but ultimately i decided not to review that one this one however really caught me and it's called cunning folk by adam neville it's got this picture of a boar you know with the tusks with mm-hmm. red glowing eyes on it on the front the thing that i think kind of creeped me out the most from my personal perspective was I've sort of always had this idyllic thing in the back of my mind of how nice it would be to have a little cottage in England you know one of those old cottages in a nice quaint little neighborhood with the forest all around and everything like that it's a very stereotypical idea for me but I think I've kind of had that in the back of my mind since I was a young kid because I remember hearing about that kind of life and it was so different from my own. But this takes place in a quaint little village where the main character and his wife and daughter, his name is Tom, the wife's name is Fiona and the little girl is Gracie. And he kind of springs for this house. I think he's a writer or some other profession where I'm pretty sure it's a writer. And his wife is a medical professional of some kind, and they really couldn't afford to do this, but he really wanted to do it. So they purchased this fixer-upper in the English countryside. And when they show up, I don't know if you've ever had the experience. Uh, Pat, you might not have had the same type of experience before because with Casper, I mean, (laughs) it's practically a small town, but when you move into a new neighborhood, a lot of times you'll get the either a friendly response or a very suspicious response from your neighborhood, depending on who, Mm. who the neighbor is. Well, in this case, the neighbors are clearly and overtly hostile to them Mm. when they move in. Um, Like they, they get really pissed off at the truck being parked there in the front you know of them unpacking their things and people who visit the neighbor's house are often blocking their driveway and stuff like that but the the really creepy part starts to come in when he decides well it was actually right before that he kind of starts observing what the neighbors are like because he sort of looks through the you know through the fence and their house is just like a fairy tale. I mean, it's just beautiful. The yard is beautifully kept and everything is manicured and gorgeous. And the woman, the way he describes her, just makes her look like a, I don't know, she's a caricature of the really scary neighbor lady. You know, she's, she's got the coiffed hair and the, and just a severe older woman. But she, but then he describes the man next door as being this like dandy fellow, you know, who's got the waistcoat and, you know, just the descriptions of the neighbors next door I found really fun. But what I did not find fun is the seriously creepy fucking way they treated the people that came to their house. People would show up at the house and like bow down to her like she was some queen or something and beg her for things. And he's looking over there going, what the fuck? And of course, his wife's at work a whole lot, but but he starts to really notice some of these things. And he decides ultimately that he's going to go over and introduce himself. And when he does, he gets 
the shock of his life when he's treated like pawn scum and, you know, just horrible things she says to him. So he's just like, well, fuck that. She's telling the first thing she says, you got to fix your fence because that's a disgrace. And she starts going on about the fence and everything. And this is the first time he's met these people. So having moved into a neighborhood cold several times, it gave me the ultimate neighbor creeps when I was reading it. But the other thing that you start to get is the seriously creepy fucking sense that something is so not right about this place. And he's got a little girl. I, I think she's like four or five. She's very young. And they have this dog. I think it's a cocker spaniel or something. And she, of course, immediately goes and wanders out into the woods back of their house. And that's one of the reasons he liked the house so much is that he wanted her to have that freedom to like walk through the woods and explore and that sort of thing. So she goes in the back and immediately finds some creepy altar and, you know, all kinds of just red flags flying everywhere all over the place. And she ends up like setting her pet penguin, not pet penguins, like a stuffed toy. She sets it down in there and... It's one of those like talisman objects for the child that they can't sleep without it. Dylan had a blanket that was like that where, you know, if you leave the blanket somewhere, you're fucked because they're not going to sleep. Well, this thing was like that for her. And of course, she's begging him to go out in the forest and find the penguin. I think it was a penguin. And he blows her off and they order another one from Amazon, (laughs) which is sort of what you do when your kid loses their object. But there are a lot of things in, in this book where that are very cliche from the standpoint of, of the creepy forest, the creepy neighbor, the creepy haunted house. You find out right away that the reason they got the house so cheap is because the former owner killed himself, hung himself. But the stuff that goes on in that neighbor house, at, at first I was like, oh, I've read this book a thousand times. But the way Adam Neville writes, you just get sucked in to this story and you feel so bad for the guy who's trying to do everything to save this home from the evil forces that are going on around his neighborhood his dog starts digging up things out of his yard these weird symbols that have been buried all the way around his yard so he goes and he consults a god I can't remember what it's like a like a psychic detective or something. His wife's pissed off because they can't afford to spend money on anything, let alone fucking shit like that. But this guy tells him, you know, you have to protect your house because this woman's going to get you type things. And he's trying to figure out ways that he can save his family basically from this seriously horrible, ancient, whatever the fuck they are that he has bought into. In so many ways, it was like such a good traditional horror novel, but I found it really compelling because of the writing style of Adam Neville. I thought he did a great job of setting the mood. A lot of people don't like those atmospheric types because they take so long to get into. So if you're not up for that kind of thing, you might not enjoy it. But there were some seriously creepy, horrible, like visceral scenes that come in later in the book that, oh my God just frightening as hell that really made it a fantastic horror novel and so I would recommend I actually gave it four stars so it was it was only 336 pages long but because of the atmospheric telling of the story 
and the kind of almost casual way that you go into this feeling of, you know, you're moving into this new house, you know, you've got your young family there. Yeah, you got a good deal on this house, but there's some serious creepy shit going on. And just the way he evolves from the type of person he starts out as to the completely unhinged individual he becomes in order to deal with this is just so good. I liked it. I thought it was excellent. At, at least four stars for me on this one. And that was called Cunning Folk by Adam Neville. Very much a folk horror novel. Sort of sort of on the lines with the old spirits of the forest type stuff. So that's awesome. So that's that, kids. The pic in the picture of the 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 swine guy on the front is really fucking horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm gonna kind hold, of, hold this. Kind up. of interesting. It's like we all got, we all had Ooh. forest kind of themed oh, books. Oh yeah, we yeah we did, did, didn't we? I didn't even think about that. It's the haunted forest theme show. Stay out of the woods. Do not go <laughs> into the woods. I mean, how many horror movies are there that somebody there's something in the woods? A lot lurking. A lot, a lot, or. Or even in the slasher films where, yeah, where uh -huh. you know, the house in the woods, where the cabin in the woods is one of my all time favorite. See, there you go. Of mm -hmm. that genre. Yeah. But probably mostly because it has that really comic component of the whole battle between good and evil going yeah. on in the yep. basement. Levels. Yep. 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 <laughs> and Friday the 13th was at a lake. Yeah. Was yep. at a camp, at a campsite at yes. the lake. So it was. there you go. It's all about the woods. Well, and I think that feel. really kind of, it is an ancient thing, an ancient fear that comes from the fear of, quote, Mother Nature or the forest spirits or whatever, where, you know, you have those deep fears of the unknown that probably first hit you when you were a child and you wandered into yeah. an area where you, you didn't know where you were at. And the neighbor thing, that's another unknown because you don't know. No, you and you have no control because you've already spent that money and you have to do something to make sure that you can live there. Because, you know, who, who the fuck else is going to want it? I mean, you've owned the house for what, two weeks and you're trying to sell it again? What are, uh -huh. the, what are the chances you're going to be able to sell it after they find out that some guy hanged himself in there and the previous owner wants to get rid of it right now? Yeah. yeah. You want to hear something funny? Hmm. One of the times that I moved, because I moved a lot when I was a little kid, I became friends with the, with the the girl who lived next door who was around my same age. Mm -hmm. But she said when I we very first moved into the place next to her, mm -hmm. that um, she thought we were vampires because we only came outside at night. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was summertime and, you know, I don't know why, but we just, I'm not very neighborly, I guess. And she said, I thought you were vampires when you first moved in because you only came out at night. Well, it's funny <laughs> the like... kind of things that you believe when you're a little kid where I, I remember so many times walking by a vacant house and we would make up all kinds of stories about the people that had lived there and why Ooh. is it boarded up and, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It's haunted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And the old woman that has a wart on her chin. And now I, I, I kind of feel bad because 
I'm now that old woman with a wart on my chin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a wart on my chin, but I do have whiskers. Yeah, I think in olden times, it was not, if people were true outcasts from society, the woods is where they went to live, wasn't it? They, yeah. They, and that was another thing that probably added to the whole ambiance of the woods as a frightening, threatening place is the people who lived there had to make a living, had to scramble for whatever, and mm -hmm. whether that included robbing or probably killing people who came into their or or social area. social outcasts, you know, people mm -hmm. who didn't buy into the religious center of people who lived in the village would often try to separate themselves for mm -hmm. obvious reasons to us now because we know the way people are and you know many of those people were burned as witches just because they didn't buy into the central most popular whatever that was going on in the village at that moment mm -hmm. religiously so yeah i mean there are reasons to fear other people <laughs> that, that we all know very well and it's and why why the woods is is a scary place yeah it yeah. and a lot of time well for me now that i'm older it's such a magical place having read so many great fairy tales and stuff, the idea of just going for a walk in the woods is one of the most amazing feelings. Just thinking about it gives me a good feeling of a walk in the woods. Did you ever lose track of where you were? I have, actually, yes. It's, because I have, and I, I've known that I am not that far from civilization. It's like, if I probably screamed at the top of my lungs, someone might hear me. But when you realize that you're not sure quite which way is the way back that you came, there's that little moment that you go, oh, crap, I'm lost in the woods. <laughs> yeah. I've been uh, drunk and lost in the woods before. <laughs> That's especially bad. You know, wake up with insects crawling up your nose or something. No, we made it out of the woods, but uh, we didn't know where the hell we were when we made it out of the woods. We're like... It's a road. Let's just follow it. It has to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, being because that's the mentality that you have when you're, you know, drunk. And we were fleeing the police. <laughs> oh, party got busted, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Been there, done that. And, you know, it's a good thing it wasn't a slasher movie because drunk teenagers on the side of the road who are fleeing the police would be the first victim. Yes, mm -hmm. they would. And all those um, books that Megan loves so much about the true crime stuff, they all start that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer never came back. We couldn't find her. <laughs> and then you find out later that some Yahoo was watching the bonfire from a distance and picked her off as she was straggling behind the pee. <laughs> That's why you always pee with a friend. That's right. <laughs> pee in a group. It's it's much safer that way. Yeah. Not to mention when you're squatting, it helps if somebody's holding your hand so you don't fall. <laughs> we have way too much experience with stuff like this. <laughs> Listen, there's not much to do in small towns except drink and pee in the woods. That's right. Yeah. You got to learn when you're young to pee in the woods. It's a real skill. You learn to identify poison ivy. That's Don't right. wipe with that. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly right. Yes. And in general, don't wipe with a leaf unless you're absolutely sure. 
You don't know what's on that leaf, dudes. <laughs> you don't want some kind of something eating your Ooh. your fun zone. <laughs> Maggots in the fun zone! <laughs> That's a whole different kind of slasher feeling. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. That is so disgusting. <laughs> Jeebus, Bonnie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Say, hey, baby, you want to see my haunted forest? <laughs> <laughs> Number one on that list of weird titles. <laughs> I don't know what kind of monsters may be lurking down there. <laughs> don't it's named Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.